0: Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, we're lighting the barrel, come march and join in our Hanukkah carol, gather at the table, there'll be no retreat, let's get this thing settled and go home to eat, and while they are talking, our candles delight, oh see. What's jarring to Mason is likely to hasten a win for the PNNG. What's jarring to Mason is likely to hasten a win for the PNNG. Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, a month may be longer, as we keep fighting our spirit for stronger. When the union record first hit the next learned how good real reporting can get. And while talks continue, reporters write stories that hint. A miracle spine, but we're holding the line till this bargaining news fit to print. A miracle spine, but we're holding the line till this bargaining news fit to print. Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, Maccabee yes, let us Led us when management Would not even see us At first, at its worst Couldn't break up our strike We can still hold out For an offer we like It's raining, it's snowing Our pickets and vast in the street Pass me a pancake Together we can Take the stress and the scabs And the heat Pass me a pancake, together we can take the stress, and the scouts, and
1: the heat. You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing. Mm-hmm. That's right, caring, sharing, and preparing for the mm-hmm. changes needed in the world as we know it. That's been our slogan since 1999. Yes. Uh, what do you think, we're like creating a change? Just by having that? I think so. Okay. Get gets people
2: thinking every week about caring and about sharing and about preparing.
1: For the changes needed in the world as we know it. Yes. Let's bring back <laughs> the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little tired.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> Wake
1: up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to your community spirit on your community (laughs) radio station. Isn't that cool to be part of the community? It is. (laughs) All right. We have a chock full show of talking about stuff that's happening in our community as part of the world community. (laughs) Yes, you mean there's stuff happening in the community and the world? I think so. <laughs> I've been, um, I guess we should. I want to go directly into that. Let's just talk about Occupy. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about. Occupy. Should we? Or should uh-huh. I talk a little bit about solar? Uh, all it's right, it's kind of cloudy outside. Let's talk a yeah, little bit about solar. Yeah, it's cloudy
2: outside. Let's talk
1: about solar so we remember the sun is out there. Solar cheaper than fossil fuels in a decade, said Stephen Chu. You guys know who Stephen Chu is? Hmm. Solar power will be be cheaper than fossil fuels at some point between the end of this decade and 2016, said the U.S. Secretary of Energy, Stephen Chu, at the Washington Post Smart Energy Conference this morning. Now, if you want to hear more about what Steve Chu said, you're going to have to sign up for our newsletter for the link to the conference now the gr- date in which solar power reaches grid parity with fossil fuels without subsidies that's the hard thing now if they got rid of subsidies for you know <laughs> fossil fuels or as i like to say conventional energy brown energy how about that one i'll we'll start uh, yeah. saying brown energy versus energy. renewable energy <laughs> um Well, I mean, we would have been there a long time ago if we didn't subsidize conventional brown energy. Yeah. So, needless to say, solar, at the same price as fossil fuels, has the potential to completely transform the global energy (coughs) market by making the switch to solar a Mm no-brainer. You might even call it the holy grail of renewable energy technologies. Now, Chu could be wrong, but it's hard to imagine anyone in the U.S. better positioned to know... The cost of solar energy. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, um, I do know that they're saying when solar reaches a dollar a watt, it will be at grid parity. Right now, commercial size solar is about $3 a watt. Mm-hmm. So, we're pretty close. I mean, consider three years ago, commercial solar was $5 a watt. Uh, yeah, now it's on to see Right. So,. It's definitely, and it's economy of scale, Uh because now we're getting these very large solar systems being put in. Yeah. So, but not on Sunday. Uh Never put in a solar system on Sunday. (laughs) So, now, solar energy, green energy, how does that go together with? Uh, Yes, with Occupy. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. How how does it
2: go together? (laughs) We're finding that out. Uh, Green issues and greenbacks, Occupy Wall Street connects the dots. Wow. Uh, I'm glad to see more stories like this along these lines, that more of this is being discussed at Occupy. Occupy Wall Street protesters linked climate and the environment uh, to their movement this past Sunday, October 30th. Occupy Wall Street's Environmental Working Group put the Climate Justice Day event together in five days, hosting workshops at New York City's uh, Zuccotti Park, on topics such as fracking and sustainable economics. Throughout the day, speakers drew connections between the economy and the environment. And here's a quote. Every bank which you are uh, down here protesting finances extreme energy, fracking, tar sands development, mountaintop removal, deep water drilling, said Gasland Documentary Director Josh Fox after a mic check to the crowd. He encouraged listeners to join the protest against fracking in the Delaware River Basin as planned for November 21st in Trenton, New Jersey, to protect New York City's drinking waters. Uh, He said, right now, 50% of New York State, including the New York City watershed, the aquifers and aqueducts that bring the water to the city are in jeopardy of this massive natural gas drilling campaign.
1: I mean, it takes so little (laughs) oil or gas to contaminate, I mean... I remember reading years ago that it takes less than a gallon of gasoline or a quart of oil to contaminate a million gallons of drinking water.
2: Yeah. It's like. Yeah, because it doesn't take much of that to make the water uh, toxic to humans (laughs) and to all the other creatures and land out there. I was glad to see he was speaking there, uh, uh, Josh Fox, because that Gasland documentary is very important. You know, it talks about the issue of the gas uh,
1: leaking into water supplies. I mean, we can live (coughs) without almost anything, Mm -hmm. but we cannot live without fresh drinking water. Yeah. I mean... A couple days, maybe, that's it, then we all die. (laughs) Even though we have a lot of water on Earth, very little of it is fresh and, you know, drinkable. Yeah. And so, if you are going to contaminate it just so we can drive our cars more, you, well as a company, really should be taken to court as um, a terrorist against humanity. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are actually making it so that humanity can't survive if you are going to contaminate the very thing we need to survive.
2: Yeah. Yeah, if I, as a private individual, said... Oh, I'm going to uh, insert toxic chemicals into the water supply of New York City. You know, I, I'd be, I'd be in Guantanamo. You know, <laughs> they would disappear me. But a corporation does it.
1: I thought and a corporation was a person.
2: Well, they say it's a person. Apparently, it's got uh, more rights and less responsibilities than you and I. <laughs> huh. Okay.
1: Because
2: it can just go well, put all this stuff in the water supply. And well, then maybe they'll get a responsible yeah. for it. It's like, oh, I didn't do it. Well, I didn't do it. <laughs> It's like, uh-huh. well,
1: okay, fine us, you know, fine us some money. Well, and that's the thing <laughs> is, there's never a criminal action, it's always fine. Yeah, it's always fine, it's always civil actions. Yeah, so, if you do a large-scale <coughs> something, it's a civil action. If you do a small-scale thing, it's a criminal action. Yeah. So, the same action. <laughs> so, now, it's very interesting for us, as a weekly radio show, to have on-the-spot, late-breaking news, <laughs> like the SIU strike. Yeah. Huh. One day old.
2: <coughs> so... Yep, just happened. Yeah, a lot of the news we end up talking about is uh, national news,
1: but uh, here we've got some big local news. About 90 tenured and tenure-track professor at SIU Carbondale aren't <coughs> in the classroom anymore. Instead, they're out on the picket lines and say they're there to stay until their union reaches a fair and equitable agreement with the university. SIUC Faculty Association President Randy Hughes said the two sides were no closer to agreement than when the talks broke off late Wednesday night. Well, I actually heard that they didn't really break off. It was literally a representative from the administration showed up with, here's our point, and the Faculty Association spent about 10 minutes or 15 minutes reading through it and say, well, you haven't changed anything, and hmm. they left. So yeah, uh-huh. that's what I heard for, from someone who was there.
3: Yeah, that's what I so heard
1: too. That's not talks. Uh-huh. From what I understand, there has actually has never been talks. Uh, yeah. It's like, here's what we want. Here's what we want. Okay, they go back to their tables. They rewrite it, and then they come back, and then they say, well, that's not anywhere close. Uh-huh. So they don't actually sit there and talk and go through and like try to uh-huh. compromise language on the spot. Yeah. Uh-huh. not happening. So it's basically, a, you know, some lawyers at the table. They talk, and then they go back and draft something, and then come back, and you know, it's not changed much. Huh, you know? Yeah. And it's you know, small wording can mean a lot. Like the fact that tenured professors can actually get fired right now with thirty days' notice. <laughs> yeah. They don't have a contract, so they can literally. I mean, they haven't had a contract for a year and a half. Yet they keep working. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they keep
2: they they, they keep working, and they have they have to work under these conditions of not having a contract and
1: uh, and it yeah, hard. being able to be fired at any moment when yeah. you're supposed to, you've gone through a long hmm. process to basically make it so that you can't be fired easily. Yeah, I mean, they can still be fired if they do things that are you know very unethical and illegal. Yeah, but. There's but a process of they can't they don't just get a notice you're fired yeah there's, there's actually a process, a process to, go to go through to you know relieve them of their tenure, yeah, it's not actual being fired
2: yeah and that, and that's to secure the uh uh the continuity of the academic community you know. If you had all these professors who just didn't know, like, maybe I'm going to be fired tomorrow, you know, or maybe I'll be fired because of what I'm teaching, you know.
1: Well, the um, ability to have freedom of speech in the you know, the college setting. Yeah. If you're saying something that's against this, <coughs> you know, the establishment, the establishment can fire you. Mm-hmm. But if you have that freedom to talk about, you know, anything, then there's, you know – if you don't f- have that threat of being fired, you're going to be open and honest in your teaching. Yeah. And that's the whole point. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, it's, education is not a business. Education <clears throat> is supposed to be an open dialogue about learning about things. Yeah. It's, that makes sense?
2: supposed to be anyway, yeah. Okay. It, it seems like there's differences of p- opinion on that matter uh, locally, but in, in my opinion, uh, that's what education should be.
1: Now, this is the first labor strike of any kind in the university's history. Now, the university (coughs) did close back in the 70s because of um, protests for the Vietnam War. Literally, people weren't showing up to class. Mm -hmm. I mean, so they actually closed halfway through the semester and gave everybody complete grades. And so, I mean, they've already done the midterms. So literally, some people who say they need to go to class... I understand they've already done their midterms. Uh-huh. They don't have to show up to class, and they'll still get a letter grade. Uh-huh. I mean, is that correct? Um, I you know,
2: I've, I've heard people talk about it. I, I've heard people argue that the probably the worst that would probably happen is similar to what you said in the uh, demonstrations back then, is that if worse comes to worse, they can give them a pass-fail. You know, If for some reason they can't... Uh, Complete the uh, semester because of the strike, then they may get a pass/fail. But still, that that creates uh, big issues for people who came and uh, you know wanted to actually do their courses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But the uh, the uh, yeah, the, the the strike is uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm trying to put into words my my frustration with the administration of SIU for letting it get to this point.
1: Well, I mean. Pe- it, ha- it has been over a year of sposing negotiations. But from, yeah. p- from what I've read, there hasn't really been any negotiations. I mean, yeah. There, negotiations are compromises, and it seems like only the Faculty Association Union has actually been doing any compromising.
2: Yeah. It sounds like, you know, th- there have been some offers made by the university, but it sounds like the most part... They, they wait. They ask the faculty to say uh, their offer of a compromise. And then the administration says, no, that's not enough of a compromise. Send us another uh, offer.
1: <laughs> now, there are four unions. Three <coughs> unions have actually re- reached tentative agreements with the administration. Yeah. And they are – part of it is their compromises. I yeah. mean the, the – the I want to say smaller unions, but they're not really smaller unions. They're they're ones that have more to lose. The you know the tenure track professors, um, faculty is um, union. They ha- are they because the you know their tenured, they feel like they can talk stronger. I mean, literally any of the other unions, if they actually struck. They would be immediately fired. I mean, literally, hmm. none of them. Uh, I mean, graduate assistants. Hmm. You know, th- this is how they're paying to go to school. They're working yeah. to go to pay for their school. Basically, they're pay- being paid nothing, but they get free school in exchange for their work. Is that, yeah, that's pretty much correct.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and they uh, and they're not allowed to fire someone for striking. But what they can do is, after the strike's over, say, well, we've decided we're not going to hire you for the X, Y, Z reason. You know. Because if if you don't have if you don't have tenure, then that's it's as simple as that. They just say, "Well, we we don't want you working here anymore." But
1: can't they fire someone for not showing up to work?
2: Well, um, they get actually because of striking. Uh, the, the way striking works nowadays you actually not are not supposed to fire someone for for striking. You know, you can fire them for other things afterwards and claim it's unrelated. Though,
1: although, have you seen the law that's going through the the Senate in Ohio <coughs> where they're actually. Ma- trying to make it a law that if you strike, they can arrest you and put you in jail. Huh. It's like... And, of course, the unions are saying, if this law goes through, we're just doing a general strike. That's uh-huh. it. Everybody. Yeah. And it would be very interesting if the general strike happened and the police struck because they're I- yeah, in they're a union. Yeah, they're unionized too, yeah. You know, so if, <laughs> if there's nobody to arrest the people... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... I don't know how... I mean, that's the whole point of striking. The p- whole point of striking is to go against um, problems. Yeah. And if you get arrested for going against... <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> it, it, yeah, if, we're not, if people aren't allowed to strike, then uh, labor conditions for everybody are going to get really bad really quickly. Uh, that's something that history has demonstrated uh, many times in the past. That's how, like, uh, a lot of people don't think about the weekend, for example, this idea of a weekend that was created by the labor movement. It used to be you just always worked, <laughs> and maybe if you were lucky, you got Sunday off because it was you know the day to go to church. Well, I mean, you
1: always worked, <laughs> and there wasn't a limitation how many hours. Yeah, you worked as many hours as they made you work. You worked six I or seven days a week. I mean, uh, there was people worked sixteen hours a day. Something you know.
2: Yeah, I've seen this bumper sticker like the weekend brought to you by the labor movement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's what the ability to strike has created. If you take away that ability. Then things will get bad really quickly.
1: Now, some of the issues are, of course, we mentioned <laughs> the tenure. Uh, these possible fur- furlough days, where people are just forced to not work. Yeah. Now, if you've ever seen like the hierarchy of what people are paid, the hi- you know high end administration and all that. Yeah. Well, if one, if do they take furlough days? Oh, huh. uh, I think they do,
2: but they. Uh, <laughs> some people argue that the people. Uh, one of my arguments is that you know if if i'm an administrator and i'm running a place and the place ends up not having enough money you know that that i should be one of the first ones to uh take take you know at least a little bit of a cut because i haven't managed to find the money to keep the place running
1: right i mean people i think people <laughs> would be more prone to want to do furlough days if they if that happened if the yeah. top said you know we're doing this does anybody want to join us?
3: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: And I think if they had done that instead of saying you must do this and we don't have to. You mm-hmm. know, that's how it felt and that's how <coughs> the conversations I was hearing were. So, yeah. Furlough days, let's see what is another issue. And then faculty reductions over, issues of money. I mean, yeah. it really comes down to money. The, the state's broke, so they're not paying the university. The university's broke, so they're being unable to pay their workers. Yeah, And so the, this whole process has been trying to figure out ways to reduce the cost of expenses. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, not building uh, Saluki Way and not spending a million dollars on a new logo would have helped. Uh, I yeah. mean, those are it some would've. things. Now, the reason they did both of those is thinking, you know, bring money in, bring um, publicity in, bring um, a better image. Yeah. Now they've kind of screwed that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they put this money into building a better image with a new logo and all that and, uh, you know, new stadium and all that. And and now they're sort of squandering it by – you know, not, not, not supporting contract. their teachers. Yeah.
1: And in that process, not supporting their students. Yeah. Which the students are the ultimate customer. Yeah. And they don't seem to realize that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, um, I was with somebody who was a student when the Rita Chang sent out a text message that said, it was basically mildly threatening. Mm-hmm. It said, if you're not in class, um, well, it said, we will have people observing whether you're going to be in class. mm mm-hmm. So we expect you to be there. Yeah, <laughs> and big part of that is saying we don't want you supporting your student, your your teachers. Yeah, in their right to have a contract. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, and
2: that's one of the things the university uh, administration has been criticized for too. Is that you know the the unions don't have an opportunity to directly communicate their message to the entire student body, but the uh, administration has been using their. Uh, emergency communication channels to do so. And that's that gives students a one-sided view of the situation.
1: Now, in this article, <coughs> it's very difficult to form an opinion, says Sidney Ganna, Jr. from Peoria, studying political science. Now, this is a, someone who's studying political science, yeah, uh-huh. who's having a difficulty forming opinion. Why? To finish the quote, the information we've received from either end is biased. Hmm. End quote. There really is no place to get clear information. There is no place that, I mean, an arbitrator should set it out, here's this side's position and here's this side's position. Now, I mean, Hmm. that's what the arbitrator's job is, to try to compromise the two sides. So it would be nice if in a public place it was showing both sides' position in an open, honest, you know, dialogue Mm -hmm. to try to figure out... A contract that's how it would be yeah that's not how it's been happening on either side Hmm. i mean both sides have been putting out um maybe not information misinformation but emotionally tinged information not just facts now should we just go directly into the censorship
2: Uh, yeah let's let's talk about that
1: so, I so got to
2: observe some of that. So just like the
1: text message went out, a message also went out from Rita Chang. Essentially, a letter was posted on the university's Facebook page. Yeah. Now, students take Facebook seriously. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the university does not. Huh. Why is that?
2: Yeah. Well, they, uh, mm-hmm. uh, they <coughs> were doing censorship on their uh, sites. Uh, they, uh, let's see. Yeah, only half of the students uh, in a media ethics class uh, showed up because of the strike. But uh, the students who came had a discussion about uh, ethics and legality of the university's decision to delete comments about the strike from the university Facebook page. Not
1: about the strike, against the strike. Against the strike,
2: yeah. And I I can watch for that because I was watching this unfold. And uh, there were a lot of comments on this post that you mentioned, where uh, Rita Chang is explaining her perspective on reality. Well, <laughs> the, uh,
1: I came across it because a friend of mine, who's not, who's a graduate, yeah, had posted on there one simple phrase: "Administration, please settle." Yeah, that was all she had posted. Now she got it, it deleted, and she got blocked from yeah,
2: from posting on posting
1: there. on the university. She's an alum; she has the right to express her opinion yeah and she got you know she posted a status that was like really frustrated yeah she and um it spread like wildfire i mean people were people were trying to get on there and post things now if you go there now Now, I happened to read about it and I went to there and looked at it, and there was like 156 comments. Mm -hmm, Yeah. If you go there now, there's 86. Down to like 80, yeah. And they're only ones of people who are, you know, for it. I mean, one of the ones that got taken off was um, literally a guy. well, he just was saying that he wants to know what the both sides of the issue are. Yeah. He's like, is there any place I can look up and see both sides of the issue of why this strike has happened? Yeah. And, and, they, and s- someone it. else says, well, I really like your comment, but it's not going to be up here for very long, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. And yes, it got deleted.
2: <laughs> yeah. And they also sound like, you know, say, just saying I support my teachers and th- that got deleted – And there were some asking questions, too. And and I noticed, you know, the the ones in favor of the administration's perspective, uh, even if they were a little bit uh, belligerent or, you know, uh, not very nice, they would stay up there. But the ones uh, even just asking questions about the situation or especially supporting the the unions, those would just be
1: gone. Yeah. And we have a pretty nice article here from... um, The St. Louis Beacon. It's actually written by the head of the school of journalism, and it's pretty it's pretty good because it's kind of showing both sides. Yeah, is this a First Amendment right? You know, people are being censored, or do the does SIU have the right to censor it? Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, it comes down to what is the intent of their Facebook? Is the intent of their Facebook to just do official statements. If that's the case, they have the right to edit it so it stays just in within their official statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the intent of their Facebook is to create a dialogue with the public, then they violated the First Amendment. That's what I understand from this article. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Facebook, social media, <coughs> is supposed to be used to dialogue. <laughs> yeah. With I mean, to find out if anybody has frustrations, to find out anything good, to you know, basically have a dialogue. Yeah. And if you are open and honest with your dialogue, things will get better. Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah, I would say so. Otherwise, why not just have a, a website? You know, if if your goal is to just put out like a little press release and not have anyone comment on it, then just have a SIU website. You know, having a Facebook page with people who can. Uh, join it and comment and such. That seems to me to imply that you're I- trying to engage in dialogue. If if that's not their goal, they should make that a lot more clear.
1: Now, if people want to see s- some of the deleted comments, <laughs> some people are technical, sa- technologically savvy and posted the comment <coughs> and then took a picture of the comment and posted it somewhere else.
3: Huh, yeah, I, I
2: should have taken a picture of my comment. It was gone in uh, two minutes or less. Yeah.
1: Well, I still want someone to post a comment that literally says, um, <coughs> "I would like information about both sides, you know, of of the sh- strike. Where can I find honest information?" And see if that gets taken down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one guy almost said that, and his got taken down. Huh. He did. He he was a little bit. You could see he was biased towards one side in his comment. But I want to have one that literally says, "I want information." From what I understand, through the grapevine, um, from one of the students who actually was – literally, they had students sitting there deleting all these comments. Uh Yeah. That they said they were just told to delete anything to do with the strike. Uh So if it didn't really – if it didn't say strike in it, they were allowed to leave it up. Uh But if it said anything to do with the strike, they were supposed to take it down.
2: Uh Yeah, well, so. they, they were getting pretty overzealous. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, I mean, to take down a comment that said, administration, please settle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's an opinion of alumni.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's even a, I forget uh, her name, but there was a famous alum alumnus who, uh, uh alum who posted on the, com, uh, posted a comment, a fairly innocuous one, got it deleted, and then, uh, uh, got blocked, and she she was some actress, you know, uh, some famous actress. I don't know her name exactly, but uh, uh, so she's gonna be <laughs> she she might be raising a stink about that.
1: Well, we ended up using up the whole oh. show talking about this issue. Yeah, I mean, um, w- some let's see, some websites um, occupycarbondale dot org. That's a c- good one. Has a lot of links to a lot of the f- Facebook. Um, on Facebook, if you want to see the deleted comments, it's kind of hard to find the it, – it's like SIUC fan page, period, stop censoring. Yeah. And there's a bunch of the the pictures of the ones that have been censored. Let's see. Is there any happenings that we have to – yes, today. Teach Why we should support SIU workers – that's today at 5 p.m. at Occupy Carbondale, which is near Bucky Dome outside Quigley Hall across from the Guy House Interface Center. Hmm. This is a student and community teaching on why we should support SIU's workers sponsored by SIU Students Against Cunts, Cuts, and Occupy Carbondale. Hmm. So
2: yes, and then I uh, can talk about that there. And then across the streets, uh, there's dinner, Thai dinner uh, for Rice and Spice. Uh, starting at 6, all the preparation going on. Uh, they're celebrating uh, Loy uh a holiday there. And, uh, yeah,
1: 6 o'clock, Guy House, 913 South Illinois. Saturday from 8 until noon, the Farmer's Market on the west side of town. And also Saturday at noon, the Vigil for Peace. This Saturday, Occupy Carbonell and the Peace Coalition will hold a joint vigil and demonstration at noon.
3: Hmm. Yes. So.
2: And uh, also, Bank Transfer Day on Saturday. We've talked about this a little bit before. It's the day to uh, uh, to celebrate credit unions and local banks by transferring your money from the big corporate banks like Bank of America and such to uh, smaller banks, local banks,
1: and credit unions. And if you do a search online for Bank of America withdrawals and see how many uh, videos there are of people trying to with- close their accounts and not being allowed into the bank. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, (coughs) research your local credit union options, open an account with the one that suits you best, cancel automatic (coughs) withdrawals or deposits, (coughs) and then important is to make sure you close your account. Yeah. Let them know that you're actually closing your account. That you're leaving. Yeah, because I mean, um, (coughs) anyway... If you would like to receive our newsletter with detailed information of everything we've talked about, please email info at yourcommunityspirit.org. We'll see you again on the radio and out and about. Mm-hmm, yes, out This about. is going to be an exciting week. Stay energized. This is actor Angie Harmon working as a volunteer tutor.
0: Here, she's teaching kids to spell habeas corpus. Here, Prosecutable. Yes. Angie played a lawyer on TV. To find out how you can volunteer in your community, go to usafreedomcorps.gov or call 1-877-USACORPS. When you help your neighbors, you help your nation. Make a difference. Volunteer. This public service message brought to you by USA Freedom Corps and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Mariano Rivera. To tell you about being a volunteer for the USA Freedom Corps. Everyone is capable of doing something. For example, I volunteer to be the radio spokesperson. They say how does being a volunteer troop need a sound? To find out how you can volunteer in your community, go to usafreedomcore.gov or call one 877 CORPS. When you help your neighbors, you help your nation. Make a difference. Volunteer. This public service message brought to you by USA Freedom Corps and the Ad Council.